to the point that you named yourself Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. Father, you do so much for us, but you elevated healing, Father, to a great covenant name. And so, Father, we depend upon you as our healer. And we thank you, Father, for your covenant that you've given to us. No one coerced you to do it, Father. You did it because you care for us, because you love us. And Father, if you were ever Jehovah Rapha, you are still Jehovah Rapha. So Father, we thank you. Thank you for your covenant promise, Father. Thank you that we can live in divine health. And we stand firm against sickness and disease, Father. We will not bow our knee to sickness and disease. Father, we'll be like Abraham, Father, who staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith. Thank you, Father. Father, we will remain strong in faith against sickness and disease. And we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is he Jehovah Rapha? You know, he didn't have to uh, elevate that name up to a covenant name, a covenant promise, but he chose to, amen? And um, it's really our responsibility to honor him in, um, in doing that, amen? And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, gets us the most, probably especially as faith people, is our confession, you know, and, and what we say and how we, uh, how we conduct our words on a day-to-day basis. And, um, you know, you have to be just really diligent about that, amen? You don't want to open up yourself to the devil and, and um, um, it just, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just really prevalent in the church, amen, that uh, our words work against us. And, uh, and you know, sometimes... Uh, we don't do it quite as much around here, uh, and I'm thankful because we're taught better, but oftentimes, you know, we'll, uh, we'll talk about all of our woes and difficulties physically and all the problems, and then we'll kind of catch yourself and we'll throw in, you know, bless his holy name kind of at the end of all that, as if that negates everything we just said against his word, you know. Uh, but, you know, that's just your mind trying to cover up the, the fact of the doubt that's in your heart, amen. Um, and so... Uh, do we believe in the healing power of God? You know, you have to choose to believe it, amen? It's not something that happens by accident. You have to choose to believe it. And, and, uh, and I think, you know, the root of that, if you really know um, who the Lord is, and if you really know that the Lord is good, believing that God is your healer is really an easy thing. Uh, and, but, you know, we've been teaching healing school now. We're in our eighth year of teaching healing school. And getting ready to start our ninth year, right, in healing school. And yet still, uh, oftentimes, the root struggle is uh, not uh, can God heal. but uh, And not only will he heal, but will he heal me? Uh, and there, there's such lack of confidence oftentimes in our own lives about, you know, will God heal me? And we think about all of the shortcomings that we have in our lives and all the things that we've done wrong. And, and we feel so unworthy to receive his blessings uh, and you know it just it goes it's the root of that again is do you really know the Lord because if you really knew him you knew he was a God of, of forgiveness amen and uh, so what if you made a mistake um, are you willing to change and sometimes you know uh, we know that we're done wrong and we don't want to change and we want to stay in that particular sin uh, whatever the sin is right if it's if it's due to a sin and, you know, we're kind of stuck in a situation like that because, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to get out of that, right? And uh, can the Lord be merciful? He can be, and sometimes he is, even in the midst of our sin. Um, but sometimes, you know, we just, we don't know how to get out of it or we don't want to get out of it. You know, there's, it's not, we have to be careful, uh, especially even as a ministers and teachers, of condemning anybody for any reason. Now, my job is not to condemn anybody, Amen. Uh, but if you tell me you're, you've got a particular sin that you just don't want to change and you don't, you know, it's too hard for you to change or whatever, 
then you have to be willing to accept the ramifications that come with that sin because sin and death always go together, amen? And it may not be death of the physical nature. It could be death of a lack of power in your life, amen? So it's not always immediate death when you, when you commit a sin, but um, there's just, uh, I don't know, it just seems uh, um, uh, in the church, you know, th this is not a difficult doctrine, and yet sometimes people have a difficult time obtaining it for their own life. Uh, and if, uh, you know, for, for me, I always go to the Lord. If I'm not having success in a certain area, uh, I, go, I start talking to the Lord, you know, what, what's going on? And then if he says, you know, well, it's this sin right here, whatever, then I'll talk, you know, I'll be honest with him. Well, Lord, why, why is it that, that I just don't want to get rid of that sin? Why is it that that's such a, a stumbling block for me? You know, he can teach you. He's the teacher, amen? And, uh, you know, it's not that it, you reckon he knows that you've got that problem, whatever the problem is. Well, he does, right? Well, he can show you, amen? And, you know, sometimes we think it's a problem. You know, I've got a problem with anger. And then you find out, well, you don't really have a problem with anger. You know, you've got a problem with this thing, you know, red lights or whatever it is, you know. Um, and so maybe that's something that you deal with. But the Lord can show you those things, amen. The goal is to obtain his promises so that we can live long and healthy upon this earth to complete his, uh, his work for us on this earth, amen. Uh, there's work for all of us to do. Are you breathing air? Then there's still work for you to do, amen. Uh, and so... We're thankful for the blessings of the Lord, amen, for Jehovah Rapha. Uh, and so, in this particular chapter, we're here in chapter 2 of the last book with uh, Dr. Yeomans. And, uh, of course, the title of this chapter is A Promise and a Covering. And um, she starts talking about Adam and Eve, uh, where when, when they fell, how they brought death into the earth. So let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, and we'll, um, we'll look at the story here. And it says here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, And the Lord, and the Lord God took, took the man uh, and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest, eat, thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat it. For in the day that thou shalt eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Uh, and so is, is that uh, the promise there? Well, it is, right? I mean, it's, is that the, the statement that the Lord made? Uh, well, it's true, right? Because he made it. And uh, if you look up where it says, thou shalt surely die, you know, the Hebrew word in that, you know, uh, different verbs uh, have different connotations about how they operate. And this one really is kind of a, uh, of a dual nature here, this particular uh, word that says, thou shalt surely die. It really says, and dying thou shalt die. Uh, and so, you know, that may not give any more insights. You know, okay, that's what it says. What does that really mean? Well, we know, you know, of course, we can look at it in hindsight and understand that uh, if you go to, you just really have to go to Romans chapter 7, and we know that uh, when, we're, when we're born into the earth, at this point in time, Adam was alive unto God, right? He had, he had the life of God in him, uh, and, uh, and there were no problems with Adam, right? Adam was really, uh, in essence, uh, had no sin with the Lord. He had no sin nature. He had no failings with the Lord. Uh, and so it wasn't like, you know, uh, sometimes people, well, God planned on Adam to fall. Well, no, God didn't plan on Adam to fall. God planned on Adam to be successful, amen? And, and I think that's, uh, we've taught this before about Jesus when he came into the earth. He, the Bible calls him the last Adam, and so Jesus really came to the earth exactly the same situation Adam did, right? And, uh, and in some ways, um, uh, even at a greater uh, disadvantage than Adam because Adam was fully formed as an adult, right? He didn't grow up that, uh, as a child and a baby, and, but uh, Jesus did and had to learn to obey his parents. And, um, uh, but essentially, from a, from a physical standpoint and a spiritual standpoint, Jesus and Adam were in the same category, amen? So Jesus did, Jesus did not have the sin nature. Adam did not have the sin nature. And so there was no inward pressure to commit a sin. Uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> so the Lord put this, uh, uh, put this tree here, but uh, it was never uh, planned. Well, the Lord always knew Adam, Adam would fall. Well, that's why Jesus came. And, and how many sins did Jesus commit? Hitting community sins. So it shows us that 
Adam had the complete capacity to be successful, that he did not have to fall. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of times people come up with these doctrines that aren't, that aren't biblical, that aren't true, uh, because they think God's got some weird plan. Well, no, the Lord already told Adam, don't touch this tree, you know, or not don't touch this, don't eat of this tree. And uh, so it wasn't a surprise to Adam. It wasn't like a hidden sin. It wasn't like a trap. It wasn't, uh, you know, the Lord was setting him up to fail. Uh, why was a tree there? Well, you know, uh, there was probably a need for the Lord at some point in time for Adam to take partake of this tree. I don't know. Uh, I suspect that that's the case, that at some point, uh, because at some point Adam was going to have to really know about the presence of, the, of Satan and what his background was and, and the knowledge of those things. And was there, would there be a time in the future that the Lord needed Adam to do that? Maybe, I don't know. Um, regardless of that, uh, the, the tree was there. And he also had a tree of life there, but Adam never partook of that tree. Uh, and so, so and, and the Lord had told this to Adam because it wasn't until verse 18 that the Lord started creating Eve. So um, uh, in this case, where it says, in dying, uh, if you eat thereof, uh, then dying thou shalt die. So as soon as, Adam and Eve partook of the tree then immediately from a spiritual standpoint they were cut off from God uh, and so that was their first death right they died spiritually they were separated from the life of God immediately as soon as they, they completed, completed the sin and just and, and, it, and it's uh, the reason we understand that is because that's exactly what happens to every human being right every human being uh, as they grow up at some point in time they will commit the unpardonable sin right Paul said that uh, uh, in Romans chapter 7 for I was alive without the law once uh, but sin but sin revived but when the commandment came sin revived and I died uh, and so he died spiritually at some point he would eventually die physically and so that's what happened to Adam right there was no design for the human race to ever die physically we were designed to live forever physically uh, and so eventually after Adam died spiritually here in Genesis chapter 2 or really Genesis chapter 3 then uh, eventually his physical body did give out Adam lived to be uh, I think 930 years old so it took a long time for that sin to figure out a way to actually kill him physically but the Lord said in dying so in other words in dying spiritually you will die physically right in the, in the day that thou shalt eat us thou shalt surely die well he, did he die that day? He did. Immediately he died, right? He died spiritually. And then eventually he died physically. Uh, and so it wasn't, uh, um, you know, it, was, it wasn't delayed. Uh, it happened exactly the way the Lord instructed him that it would happen, that he would die uh, immediately. Uh, and so, so they're the ones who brought sin into the earth, right? So let's turn over to Romans, uh, Romans chapter, uh, well, she's got it in chapter 6, but we'll start over in chapter 5 and we'll get over into chapter 6. <clears throat> So in Romans chapter 5, um, it says in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed unto all men, for, for that all have sinned. And so, um, who is the one man that sin entered into the world by? Adam, right? So it wasn't even Eve, it was Adam, right? Because Adam was the one that he was given the instructions to, and the Bible says that, that Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. And so, so that tells you, you know, if you, if you commit a sin by deception, then, you know, you're not going to be held as accountable as uh, you would uh, if uh, you did it by, by knowledge, right? And so by one man, sin entered in the world and death by sin. So death entered in because of the hole that was opened up by sin. Amen. So death came into the earth following the coattails of sin. Uh, and of course, uh, now uh, over in chapter 6 there, at the end of chapter 6, it says in verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the, the payment of sin uh, is death, right? And uh, if you, depending on how hard you work for sin, will... Uh, will measure will give back to you how much death you get right and so if you some people are very professional sinners right uh, they have uh, PhDs in sin uh, and uh, and they'll spend all of their life doing sin uh, and at the end of days if uh, they don't take advantage of this short time on this earth 
to correct that and to repent and become a child of God, then uh, the, they will receive the ultimate wage, which is the ultimate death, right? Uh, now, if uh, because we have the sin nature in us, all of our bodies will die early on this earth, you know, earlier than the Lord intended, right? Any time earlier than forever uh, is way earlier than it was supposed to. Uh, and so uh, there is a payment. And, and the thing about, uh, uh, um, you know, what one minister said, and, and I think they were, in my opinion, they were a little too harsh in that, but they said that all sin results in death somewhere in your life. Um, but that, to me, that's a little harsh from the standpoint of, well, what if you repent, right? If you repent, can you not uh, short-circuit that, uh, that payment of that sin? I mean, surely you could, because he, he said that he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So um, I think the problem comes in when we have a lifestyle of sin and repent, sin and repent. Uh, you know, could you, is, if that's the case, could you sin and then repent, sin and then repent? Well, I think you could. How, how long would that last? Well, I don't know. Is there a number? I don't know. You know, I, you want to find out? I don't want to find out. You want to roll the dice, right? And, and um, you know, that's really rolling the dice because every sin left unchecked could result in some, some area of death in your life. For sure, it'll result in lack of power in your life, right? Which is one, one type of death. Uh, will it result in physical death immediately? You know, I, I, it doesn't seem to me that, I mean, how many people do you know that are the worst people in the world and they, they uh, sin all the time, right? Even just non-Christians, right? Just, just terrible sinners, and they live 100 years old. Well, seems like something wrong with that picture, right? I'm not interested in killing anybody, but, um, but eventually that sin will catch up with them, right? So uh, the, the thing that, uh, you know, I would encourage people is, is don't play those games, right? Because some people are of the opinion, well, I can just sin as much as I want to. Well, we're all sinning as much as we want to, right? Uh, aren't you sinning as much as you want to? I mean, surely. Well, I don't sin. Well, then it's just, that's as much as you want to, right? Uh, and so, uh, what's the number? Well, there's no number. Uh, and so, but every time you do sin, you open yourself up to the devil, right? You open the door. Uh, Paul said in, in uh, four, Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. So, you know, you're giving place to the devil, giving a, him a license to operate in your life. And, uh, and so, uh, what's, the, what's the risk in that? Well, I don't know, you know. We just know it's not good, right? The wages of sin is death, amen? So sin and death, you find those two uh, evil twins together often in the Word of God. Sin and death, sin and death. So um, uh, the Christians that play around with sin oftentimes uh, will end up dying early. And, um, uh, you know, then people go, oh, I don't know why they, why they died, you know. <laughs> and, and look, everybody that dies early is not because of sin, right? You know, you can die early because... You don't know anything about faith. You haven't, you haven't practiced faith. You haven't exercised faith. Uh, and uh, is that a sin that we would traditionally say? Well, it's not really a sin. You know, it's just lack of faith. Amen. And I understand that everything that's not a faith is sin. But I'm talking about committing infractions, uh, intentional infractions against the Lord and his word. Um, so uh, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, uh, I am no man's judge. And I just leave it at that. I just, you know, what's going to happen if they sin? I don't know, you know. Well, don't you think they'll die? I don't know. You know I, I'm not the judge. I'm not the judge of mankind. Amen. The Lord's the judge. Amen. Let's allow the Lord to be the judge and for us to be the ones who reconcile. Amen. The, one that we, the ones that restore. And, um, uh, and, if, Lord's, and if Lord says to, to not help them or something, well, then that's fine, right? You, leave, you, you, you follow the plan of God. But, uh, but uh, the wages of sin is death, but the, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, uh, the Lord has counteracted death with his, with his life. Uh, and, of course, uh, that, uh, um, that word life there is zoe. That's the God kind and the God quality of life there, right? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal zoe, right? The God kind and the God quality of life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So um, then, then she started talking about uh, uh, some more sin. So let, let's go back real quick then and let's, let's turn to Ezekiel. Uh, I do want to uh, mention a little bit out of Ezekiel and back over to Exodus. So she does bring up uh, this. So we'll, we'll take this little rapid path. It's not a very long rapid path. But, um, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, theory around sin. Really a lot of misunderstanding around that. And one of the things is that... Um, uh, there is a generational curse. Anybody ever heard of generational curses, right? 
Uh, and, and there is a lot of preaching that goes around about, well, you're, you're stuck in a generational curse, right? Because your daddy sinned, your mama sinned, and so now you're under this curse, and you need me to help you get out of that, right? Um, and, uh, and I've heard, you know, messages in, uh, sort of related to that. But let's, you know, I think the best way to understand it is let's see what the Word of God says about it, amen? And so he says, in verse 4, this is Ezekiel 18, verse 4, uh, it says, Behold, um, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father, so also as the soul of the, of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. So again, sin and death go together, right? Uh, if we go over to verse 20, uh, it says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And then, then uh, it says, The Son shall not bear the iniquity of the Father, neither shall the Father bear the iniquity of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Uh, and so, uh, and, and let's, let's go back and read verse 19 as well. Um, yet you say, why? Uh, doth not the Son bear the iniquity of the Father? In fact, let's, let's keep on backing up to verse 17, right? Uh, thou hast taken off his hand from the poor. Thou hast not received usury nor increase. Hath executed my judgments, hath walked in my statutes. He shall not die for the iniquity of his father. He shall surely live. As for his father, because he cruelly oppressed. So, so he's not talking about any father in particular, but he's talking about fathers and sons in general here. As for, the, as for his father, because he cruelly oppressed and spoiled his brother by violence, and did that which is not good among his people, lo, even he shall die in his iniquity. Yet you say, why? Doth not the son bear the iniquity of the father? So this is a common, uh, a common belief for a lot of people, that I am bearing the, son, the sin of my father, right? sons shall bear the iniquity of the fathers uh, but it says uh, does not the son bear the iniquity of the father when the son hath done that which is lawful and right and hath kept all my statutes and hath done them he shall surely live the soul that sinneth it shall die the son shall not bear the iniquity of the father neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son the righteous of the righteous shall be upon him and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him uh, and, so, and he goes on talks about but if the wicked shall turn from his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right. He shall surely live. He shall not die. So not only is he saying that the son does not bear the iniquity of the father. He said if the father is sinning and he repents. He said he shall surely live. So you know this whole concept of you sin. You're, you're doomed and that's it. There's no way out. Even the Old Testament says there's a way out. Well let's turn back to uh, Exodus chapter 20. We'll kind of see where the root of this uh, um, this doctrine comes, and you know, this, these are not this is not a hard thing to say or a hard thing to understand because it's uh, clearly written in the Word. In Exodus chapter twenty, uh, is where the Lord is uh, dictating the Ten Commandments, and so. <clears throat> He says here, um, in verse 5, he says, um, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them. Uh, well, of course, in, um, let's go back up in verse 1, or verse 3. It says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or any image, or any likeness of any living thing that is in heaven above, or in the earth beneath. Or that is in water under the earth, thou shalt not bow thyself down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. And if we stop right there, that's where the foundation of that uh, doctrine comes from, that the Lord will, will visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. But is that all it says? No, what's the rest of the verse say? It says, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So you, if you take that along with Ezekiel 18, well, Ezekiel 18 says the soul that it sinneth, it shall die. So if the soul is not sinning, then there's no, there's no death that comes along with that, which kind of makes perfect sense. Uh, now, what if the father was in sin and the son was also in sin? Would this father die in his sins? Well, he would, right? Would the, would the son continue in that and die in those sins as well? Well, sure, because the soul that sinneth, it shall die. So all, all the Lord is saying here is uh, if the third and fourth generation uh, continue in that hatred towards him, well, they're all in sin. Well, they're going to continue to die. And, and, 
And really the insight that we need to get from this is, and it's helpful insight, is that oftentimes uh, these, these hatred for God will be a generational thing, right? Uh, parents will hate, the ch- hate God. The kids will pick that up and they'll hate God. And those, their kids will pick it up and they'll hate God. And so, you know, from that standpoint, it's, a, it's not, a generational curse is not a biblical phrase. And so I don't even like to use it. But it is a generational sin that can happen. Just like oftentimes if parents love the Lord and they go to church, oftentimes the kids will love the Lord and go to church. And if if those kids love the Lord and go to church, their kids will love the Lord and go to church. So, you know, these things are generational in a good way, in a bad way, amen? And what you'll find oftentimes is that the spirits that drive sin, and oftentimes sin is driven by demonic spirits, right, to get you to do certain things that you'll not do, oftentimes those demonic spirits will be familiar with a family and they'll hang around a family, right? Once they find out that oh, this family likes this particular sin, uh, then, uh, you know, whatever it is, like, uh, like lying, for example, right? Uh, sometimes you see parents that lie and the children lie too, right? Or anger. Your parents are angry and the kids are angry. Uh, and the spirits that drive those things, they'll, you'll see that sometimes for generations, right? And, but the, the thing that's nice is, uh, any generation who stands up and says, you know, I don't think I'm going to do that sin. They have a free will, don't they? They can just, no, I'm not going to do that. Now, they'll have a temptation to do that more so maybe than other sins because those familiar spirits are there. But anytime they want to raise their hand and say, no, I'm not going to be involved in that particular sin, then they can just choose not to be involved in that particular sin. Amen? Uh, and so, so just know, is there, is there any truth to the doctrine uh, or to the idea of generational curses? It's really not, and it's really a bad, it's really a bad uh, doctrine, right, that people try to put that on folks. Uh, because uh, a lot of times people will kind of hype it up and, and preach it out and, and make, uh, you know, uh, say, well, you've got to come down to the front of the church and I've got to cast that generational curse off you. All you can do is come down to is, no, I'm not going to do that. You don't have to have hands laid on you, devils cast out of you. You just say, no, I don't want to do that. And as soon as you say, no, the devil can't do anything about it. He just, okay, well, I, th- I thought you would, you know. That's it. I mean, that's the end of the discussion, amen. We don't need devils cast out in the name of Jesus used over people. I mean, we thank God for the name of Jesus. Obviously, we're not diminishing his name. But the soul that is sinned shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquities of the father. Uh, and so... You know, that's a little, a little side journey, but um, uh, it, it is helpful because a lot of times people think, well, I'm sinning because, you know, my parents sin and I'm sinning now. Well, just don't. Just choose not to. Amen. It's really not that big of a deal. Um, and um, sometimes people think, well, you're making light of it. Well, I, the, the Lord said right there that uh, he prophesied in Ezekiel 18 that if the son does not commit the iniquities of the father then he's, he's under no obligation uh, to do it, and, and uh, he will not bear those iniquities in his own life. Amen? And so what was the result then of Adam and Eve falling there in Genesis chapter 2 uh, from the promise of that or the, or the uh, warning of that? Uh, then, of course, they fell. And, um, you know, Eve wasn't really off the hook because she was deceived uh, because Adam should have told her that, right? Uh, and she knew better. She knew what the, what the Lord had said. Uh, but the devil did, did deceive her there. Uh, and, and so why, why was she talking to the devil to begin with, right? So that's another whole discussion there. Uh, but so uh, then we get down to Genesis chapter 3, and he's talking to Adam now. And he says in verse 17, And to Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. Uh, well, this gives us some insight, too, right here. How many times have people said, it's not my fault. You know, they made me do it. Or, you know, they, they convinced me to do it. You know, they, they pressured me into doing it. Is that a valid argument for you not being guilty of your own sin? No, you're not. Uh, uh, what, what if somebody coerced you to do it? Or what if somebody... Now, when I say coerced, I don't mean, you know, they held a gun to your head. I don't think you'd be held responsible for that. But if they just kind of, you know peer pressured you into doing it hey everybody's doing it you know oh, okay well i guess i should do it right we're not going to be your friend unless you do this oh, okay i want you to be my friend um, and i walk away all day long from a friend like that uh, but um, the, was there an excuse for adam was there an excuse for eve 
that she was deceived. Was that an excuse for her to get out of the sin? No. It says that, you know, she, she was found guilty there. Uh, that uh, I will greatly multiply thy, thy sorrow in thy, in, in thy conception. And thy sorrow shall thou bring forth children. And, and thy desire shall be to thy husband. And he shall be, rule over thee. Uh, and, you know, then, of course, he talks to Adam. Because you hearken to the voice of, of, of thy wife. So, again, what, what if somebody, uh, somebody kind of made you do it, right? You know, uh, I, had, I had a fellow one time, he was uh, uh, just really unkind to me for many years. I mean, just years. Uh, and, just, uh, and when I say unkind, it means he would, he would gossip about me, he would backbite me, you know, tell people lies about me. Uh, and even sometimes publicly degrade me in church, right? Uh, this went on for many years. And, and uh, you know, eventually that sin caught up with him. And he, we went out to dinner one time, uh, went out to lunch. And uh, he said, uh, he, these are his words. He said, if I ever did anything to offend you, I apologize. Well, first of all, why are you saying if? You, know, you wouldn't be here unless you knew that you had done something, Right. So that was really lame, really lame uh, repentance. And the second thing he said, I was just doing what I was told. So if Adam, so did, did Adam do what he was told? Is, you hearken to the voice of, of your wife? Did Adam do what he was told? Right? Hey, eat this, eat this, eat this fruit, right? Um, did he yield to his wife? Sure he did. Was he free from guilt? No. So your guilt is always on you. It's never, you can never say, Lord, they made me do it. And yet, uh, you know, those are two, two aspects of his, quote, repentance that showed that he really wasn't repenting, right? He was just wanting to apologize and want me to act like there were, nothing was ever done. And well, it's not on me, that's on you, right? Uh, and, and, and I'd be much more concerned with what the Lord thinks of it than what I think of it, amen? And, and you know, if you think that you can use the excuse of if uh, I ever did anything to... to um, because he said to confess your sins, right? Uh, he didn't say, uh, you know, you can't just make a blanket uh, statement every day. You get, Lord, if I did anything wrong, just, you know, forgive me. Well, that's not confessing your sins, right? That, that's, that, that's not even a prayer. That's not even a valid scriptural faith prayer, is it? Amen. Uh, and so, and yet, how many times have maybe all of us done that, right? Try to say it, try to wrap our repentance up in such a way that we're not really guilty, right? It's somebody else's fault. And yeah, was there somebody else involved in Adam's sin? Did he hearken under the voice of his, of his wife? He did, right? So she was involved in his sin. She had some responsibility. And, and as much as anything, uh, that's why she was found guilty. Because not only did she sin, even though she was deceived, uh, she then took that and, and went and got somebody else involved in it. Amen. And you ever notice some people that sin, they're not happy to sin by themselves. You ever notice that? Uh, the, uh, some people they just they have to get other people in sin and, and you know a lot of times people will see people like you and me and see us as a conquest right a goal to conquest a goal to get us to sin because their sin makes them feel bad and so they want you to sin to make them feel better about themselves well if they can sin then I'm not such a bad person and, and people will do that they will pick you out of a crowd and they will they will have a desire to cause you to sin um, and, and so it's unfortunate right uh, so uh, <clears throat> you know if, if that fellow really wanted to repent uh, all he should have said is everything I did I did by my choice nobody made me do it uh, and you know I have remorse uh, for everything that I said and did that, would ca that caused harm to you and I feel bad for it and I would ask you to forgive me and that's the end of it, right? This, this wrapping it up in an excuse because the goal of the excuse is to remove guilt without repentance, right? There was no actual repentance, right? He never said, what I, what I did was wrong. He just said, if I did anything, and look, I'm not mad at him, you know, because really he didn't sin against me. He sinned against the Lord, right? If you, somebody comes against him, you know, so it's really between him and the Lord. And, and really, before you ever repent to somebody, you should repent to the Lord, right? And I mean, I, uh, yeah, because... Before you can sin against somebody, you always sin against the Lord first, right? And so, you know, it would be ideal to, first of all, repent to the Lord for your sin. And, Lord, this is what I did. Nobody made me do it, right? Uh, and so, but, 
Eve tried to do it, right? Tried to get out of it. She said it was, it was a serpent. Adam tried to get out of it. He said it was, it was Eve. Uh, did that work for either one of them? No, you can't bring anybody else in on your repentance, amen? Uh, and and here, here's the issue and all that. You know, sin is the root of much sickness and disease in the earth, right? Especially in the church. Sin is, much, is oftentimes the root of much of the sickness and disease. And you've got to be willing to own the sin, commit the you know, state with a, with a fact that you did it, nobody else made you do it, if you want to be free from it, right? If you want to be living a life that's, that's uh, divine health, then you need to, to clearly repent and confess of your sins. Uh, and if you try to paint over it, you know, you, you ever seen, you know, there's a, a, a bad spot on your deck Instead of ripping out the wood and replacing it, you go paint over it, right? Because, you know, if you paint over it, it doesn't exist anymore, right? Even if it's still there, but you just paint over it, you know, but uh, act like it's not there. And, you know, sometimes you see houses, you know, you go see, oh, this house looks nice. You touch a wall and it crumbles apart, right? Because they just, it was all rotted, but they painted over it, right? And, you know, it'll last for a day or a week or a month or a year, but it's still rotted, amen? It's not going to do anything. And, and, and that's the same thing with people's spiritual lives oftentimes. They'll just paint over the sin, and they say, well, so-and-so made me do it, but I didn't mean to do it. You know, if I did anything or, you know, so-and-so told me to do it, uh, what are they doing? They're just painting over the sin. And, and so they never got rid of it. So sin and death always go together. If you don't, if you don't deal with that sin, it will stay and fester in your life. Amen. Uh, and, and so, you know, I'm not trying to harp and be harsh on people. It's the, is the Lord faithful? Is he merciful? Will he forgive you? Absolutely. He will do every time. A thousand times he'll do it. Uh, and... You know, uh, Brother Hagen had this one story with the Lord when he was learning about uh, sin and how, how it overcomes people. Uh, there was a story that he knew about this one uh, pastor's wife. And, you know, everything was going good. And then all of a sudden she just went kind of berserk, berserko, you know, and, and left, her, left her husband. Uh, and it started because she was apparently a very attractive woman. In fact, he said he knew her. He said... She was just a real looker, you know. She, he said when, when she'd walk in the room, just people would notice. She was just a beautiful woman, right? Just dressed, you know, to the T and, and, and just, uh, just one of these people that you notice, right? And it's not that you're lusting over her, but, you know, you walk in and just, you know, all the eyes go to her. And she had an amazing voice. She was sang like an angel and sang at many conferences and, and uh, church meetings and things. Uh, and he said, that, and the Lord showed her, showed him in a vision what happened to her that, that the devil started coming to her and said, you've been cheated in life. You know, you, you could have been a famous singer and had all, these, all this fame and fortune, and here you are, a pastor's wife. And, you know, she said, get thee behind me, Satan. Well, that's fine. But see, you know, uh, the devil, he, he's been around a long time. He doesn't have any divine awareness of things like the Lord does, but he knows, right? He can tell people's tendencies that they may have a tendency to be Maybe a little prideful, maybe a little self-centered, you know, maybe a little selfish in some areas. Uh, and, and, you know, he has studied humanity for thousands of years, right? And he knows a lot of what makes us tick. And so, uh, so he went to her again and said, look at you. You know, you've been cheated in life. Uh, you could be uh, famous. Everybody could know your name. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, a second time, you know, she said, get thee behind me, Satan. And then, you know, again, the Lord showed in the vision that this happened a third time. And this time, she paused. She hesitated, right? Uh, and when that happened, then she accepted that, uh, that lie that she was cheated. And now, well, why did the devil come to her three times? Even the first two times, you know, uh, she rejected him. Well, you know, it depends on how aggressive you are. Because, you know, oh, stop. You know, don't come. Don't bother me anymore. You know, stop bothering me. Um, you know, uh, you've got to be really aggressive about certain things, right? Really aggressive about certain things. Otherwise, if you're just kind of half-hearted about it, um, then, you know, you're not going to be as successful as you, as you need to be, right? And so uh, my guess is that's what happened where she wasn't quite as adamant about that particular sin as other sins, right? And so, so it wasn't about, you know, even about, you know, your husband is not good to you or... You know, you could have any man that you want. It was about her being famous, right? And, and being uh, 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 very wealthy because of her talents and abilities. But who gave her the talents and abilities? Lord did, you know. And if you would acknowledge that whatever talents and abilities you've got, you, they're, they're a gift. A, a, 
a sovereign gift of heaven gave you that talent, right? The Lord has given my wife a sovereign gift of talent to sing and play instruments. Uh, and, uh, you know, when, when that line was, to, was formed to give talents in singing and musical instruments, I wasn't anywhere near that line, right? I was in another line, and I missed that line, right? I went back over there, sorry, line's full. You, you know, you get, you, you're not in this line. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with having great talents and abilities. Um, but it seems to me that especially in the area of music and singing and, and great intelligence, you know, those, those three areas especially, that people have a hard time accepting that that was a gift from heaven. They think that, that those things make them inherently better than other people. It doesn't make you inherently better than other people. It makes you inherently more responsible than, to other people to, to share that gift for the advancement of humanity and, and the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and so, uh, so she left her husband because of that and went on to the world. Uh, and and the, the, the point of, of the story that I want to make today is uh, the Lord said if she had a hundred men and repented, he, he would have taken her back. Is that true? Well, it is true because the Bible says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins. Amen. And so many people think that there's a limit to that. And I don't say any limit to that. Well, how, how, how many times could you do it? As far as I know, a thousand million times. Right. I mean, this woman was a pastor's wife, a great singer for the Lord, you know, uh, and did all these things for the Lord. And the Lord said, if she had a hundred men, you think about a hundred men, most, you know, even sinner women don't have a hundred men, right? Uh, and, I mean, that'd be a lot of men to go through, right? And we'd, we'd all think, well, you're a harlot, right? You know, now prostitutes probably have a hundred men, uh, but, you know, she wasn't a prostitute. She was a, a ex-pastor's wife, right? And so, uh, but the Lord said, if she had, a, she, I, he'd have taken her back. Well, that just ain't right. I'm not the Lord. I'm not the one who wrote these promises, amen? Uh, and so uh, she ended up, you know, leaving the Lord entirely, you know, and that's another whole discussion there, but, the, the point of it is um, that the Lord would have taken her back. Now, you know, people say, well, you're, you're giving a license of sin and you're saying there's no limit to these things. Well, the, the thing that people don't appreciate is every time you're in sin, you're out of the will of God. So you're not in the blessings of heaven, right? You're not in the, in the realm of, of his increase, the realm of his protection, the realm of his revelation. You, you're outside of that, right? You're in the area of mercy. So you're not advancing your spiritual life when you're in sin, are you? You're, you're, you're in a, in a uh, at best, you're in a standstill mode. Uh, and you risk being on the, the property of the devil because you've opened yourself up to the devil, right? You're, you've uh, given license to the devil. So is that a good thing to be there? Well, that's not a good thing to be there, right? So, so uh, it, the ramification of sin, even if you don't die immediately is you missing you're missing the blessings of heaven right you uh, and so every time that you sin you miss the blessings of heaven you're staying out there outside of the, the blessings of god until you choose to to repent and come back so all you're going to do when you sin and come back is you just start where you left off so if you're out and sinning for 10 years and you come back you just where you you've lost 10 years of advancement right is that a good thing i mean uh is it okay to stay in school and you know people say you know uh, Six hardest years of school was second grade, right? Well, I mean, that's, that's great, but, you know, you, you, you're in second grade, you know. I remember when I was in ninth grade, we had a fella. He was 21 years old in ninth grade. He was like a grown man, you know. Uh, and we were all children, and, and, and he was a real punk. Uh, and, uh, and just, uh, you know, they should have dealt with him more severely. But um, anyway, regardless, you know, he's 21 years old in ninth grade. I mean, you know, it just, uh, uh, I don't even know why he was there, right? But anyway, he was there. So, uh, so that, you know, there, are there ramifications? There's 100% ramifications of sin. Uh, and, and now, could the Lord restore that? Well, he could. He's a merciful God, right? I'm, see, I'm not, I'm not him. I'm not the Lord. And, and you should be glad that I'm not the Lord. Often, people all the time in church, well, you know, you've been in sin for too long. The Lord can never use you again. You know, who are you to judge that? Who are you to say that, Judge? Uh, is that, is that a, a precious human being? Well, sure they are, right? Are they valuable to the Lord? He, didn't he die for them? He didn't die for the perfect people. He died for the sinners, and, including the people that are in the church, right? Didn't he die? Don't, don't the people in the church have a right to the blood of Jesus like the people outside the church do? We have a greater, we have a greater right to it, right? Because we're covenant members of the house of God. 
Yeah. And so, again, am I saying it's okay to sin? It's, it's, it's foolishness to say it's okay to sin. Now, there, there is a doctrine that's going around in the church today that Christians don't have to sin, don't have to repent. Anybody heard that doctrine? It's really a weird doctrine because uh, they, they say that because Jesus came and died, which he did, and he shed his blood, which he did, and he paid for all the sins, which he did. Are there any sins that Jesus has not paid for? No sins, right? Uh, what about the sin you're going to commit a week from now? Has he paid for that? He paid for that, right? He went to the cross. He shed blood for that sin that you haven't even committed yet. It's already paid for. And, and all that's true. And then they'll, they'll go on to the next step, which is their fallacy. They say, therefore, we don't have to repent. It's already, it's already been forgiven. Well, it's been paid for, but you haven't received the payment for that until you repent. Amen. That's the whole point of being born again is you're receiving what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago. You notice in, in Romans 10, 9, and 10, what we call the sinner's prayer. Uh, I don't really like to call it that, but there's no repentance in the sinner's prayer, right? It's, it's believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess him as your Lord. There's no repenting of what you did a, a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. Uh, it's, it's believe that the work that he did was sufficient for everything you've ever committed up to this point in time. And so when you get born again, you start with a brand new clean slate. Bible says that old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so you have a clean slate the moment you get born again. But, you know, more than likely, now you, now you don't have to, but more than likely, I mean, if I was a betting man, I'd, put, you know, I'd bet all my money on it. Sometime in your life, you're going to fail. One time. Some people believe they never do, right? Some people believe that they, the minute they got saved, they have never sinned since then. And, and I mean... That's a sin probably by itself, right? Because I'm sure it's a lie, amen? And so I haven't followed them around, but, you know, I just can't imagine. They, they've never said a, an unkind word to their wife or never got mad because the light turned red or, you know, didn't, uh, you know, uh, give back the extra 50 cents that they got extra change at Walmart, you know? Um, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you're telling me you never, had, you know, never one time since you've been saved. Um, would you just get saved a second ago? I mean, if they, okay, we'll, we'll give you that, but, uh, but... If, if you sin as a Christian, then uh, is 1 John 1, 9 necessary? Well, it is. It says to confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins. And so, so that right there puts a big, big wrench in their doctrine. So they just get rid of the whole book of 1 John. They say, well, 1 John wasn't written to the church. Which is just foolish because the whole book of 1 John continually calls the people it's written to beloved. Aren't we the beloved of God? You know, he says it's written only to the Jews. Well, the Jews, you know, they're, they're God's chosen people, but not, they're not his beloved people. The church is his beloved people, right? Uh, and so, uh, and it's just weird. It's weird doctrine because there's nothing in First John that would ever get you that other than they have a need to get rid of it because it, it conflicts with their, with their doctrine. And they even said one time that the fellow that has pushed this doctrine more than anybody says, uh, and they said these words, they said, I wish Brother Hagen was alive today. They said they respected Brother Hagen, at least in theory. They said, uh, uh, I would love to tell him about this and, and you know, uh, show him what the Lord showed me, you know, to, 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 to basically put the stamp of approval. Well, Brother Hagen had to be here to, to say this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, right? I can guarantee you what Brother Hagen would say. You know, I've heard enough of his messages to tell you exactly what he says. Uh, and because any time that, uh, that you remove, uh, that you try to remove guilt without following the prescribed method that the Lord has given to us, uh, it, it's foolhardy, right? You're just trying to rewrite the word of God. Uh, but the, uh, the thing is, there is repentance available to the Christian. Amen? Uh, and so if there's repentance available for the Christian, then, uh, then we should take advantage of that. Amen? Knowing that if you live a life of sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent, you're never going to advance your, your spiritual walk with the Lord, right? You're just always starting back over where you left off the last time. And your progress is going to be incredibly slow. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, even though uh, the Lord said there in verse 17, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. So, she helped him sin, but who made the choice to sin? He did, right? It was 100% on him. Amen. Doesn't matter who influenced you. Doesn't matter what, what circumstances you were in. At the end of the day, whose choice was it to sin? It's always yours, right? And so, uh, if you repent, who should you bring in on your repentance? Nobody, right? Just you, right? Lord, I did it. I chose to do it. 
nobody, nobody made me do it. It doesn't matter if, you, if your wife was there or not, right? And, you know, a lot of times even husbands and wives will get in trouble because one will coerce the other into sin, right? And, and well, you know, if he'll do it, it's okay if, I, if he does it, right? Uh, and so um, you've got to be careful with that, uh, amen? So he said, uh, you hearken the voice of your, uh, of your wife and hath eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shall thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the, the herb of the field, and the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it thus was taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust uh, shalt thou return. Uh, and so um, th- that is the moment that... Uh, uh, death began to work in their life, right? And again, it took nine, over 900 years for it to finally catch up with them and kill them, amen? And no one ever lived to be a 1,000 years. Um, and so, um, Dr. Yeoman says that sickness is slow dying. I like, I like that statement. Sickness is slow dying, amen? Uh, and so, uh, we don't know exactly what Adam and Eve died of. They died of sin, though, right? Uh, and so, the sin caught up to them eventually. Uh, and so, so even though, uh, even though they did sin, uh, we're about out of time right now, even though they did sin, you know, the Lord did, did come back and, and give them uh, some hope, right? And so maybe we'll pick this up next week because uh, I don't want to get into that and we'll, we'll be here for a little while there. Um, but, you know, the, the Lord is merciful, amen? And, and the thing, the thing we've got to uh, be okay with in, 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 in teaching the Word is, to show that the Lord is merciful. And, you know, sometimes I think the church wants to remove the mercy of God to keep people in fear, to keep them in line. Uh, and, and, you know, when Oral Roberts was around uh, back in the day, he started going around and preaching, you know, God is a good God. And, and of course, a lot of the same places that uh, Oral Roberts would go, Brother Hagin would come along and preach in the same places and at conferences and different things. And, and, and some of the pastors came up to Brother Hagin and said, Brother Hagin, we wish more than anything that, that, that uh, Brother Orr would stop saying that God is a good God. Isn't that crazy, right? To stop saying that God is a good God. And well, why, why is that a problem? He said, because when people think that he's a good God, they'll think that they can just sin as, they want, as much as they want to. Well, that's just, is that our goal? Anybody got a goal? Lord, I, if you're good, Lord, I'm going to sin tomorrow. Right? And sin the next day. Is that our goal? Anybody got a goal? You know, my goal is just, I want to sin as much as I want to. Uh, you know, I think if you've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, your goal is to minimize that every day. Because, I, you know, I mean, I'm not your judge, but if you, if you tell me my goal is to sin as much as I can, I would have to question it with you ever saved or not. Because surely your goal as a child of God is not to sin as much as you can, right? And get away with it. But, uh, see, it bothered them because they liked putting people under, under the bondage of fear that God's going to get you if you sin. <clears throat> and, and so they use it as a way to control people. And there's even people who, who, who make the statement that the, the devil and hell do not exist, that they were a fabrication of the church to keep people in line. Now, isn't that crazy? I mean, how much did Jesus talk about the devil and hell? A lot, right? You think he's just making it up, that Jesus himself was making it up because he was afraid if he didn't make it up. That people would just do what they want to. I mean, heaven forbid people would actually enjoy life, right? Uh, and so, uh, it's, uh, uh, there's so many crazy and weird doctors that go on in the church on a regular basis um, that, uh, you know, the cure for it is really easy. Just know what the Word says. Amen? I mean, if you know, because, you know, First John 1, 9, although First John 1, 9 says it, it's not the only place in the New Testament that says you should repent. Amen? Uh, there's plenty of scriptures in the New Testament that talks about repenting from sin. Amen? That you should repent in, in, from, your, from your sin. Just 1 John 1, 9 is a good summary for that. Uh, and so even if you remove the whole book of 1 John, the majority of, of 1 John, the doctrine of it, is found everywhere else because you know, there's no scripture that's just unique to, to with a few exceptions. It's only found in one book, right? It's, it adds to the whole counsel of God. gives us more insight into the whole counsel of God. And so, yeah, there's some unique things in there, but... Uh, there's very little major doctrine that you'll find in First John that's not found somewhere else, especially including uh, the, the sinning and repenting. And if you understand how sinning and repenting and how the blood of Jesus work, you would never come to that conclusion that, that 
well, we don't have to repent. It's just, it doesn't make any sense, right? It's just walking around sense. And yet they will fight you tooth and toenail. Tooth and toenail about that. I had a fellow even come to church here one time. Said, well, you know, we don't have to repent. Well, so-and-so on TV says you don't have to repent. Well, yeah, you know why? Because he wants you to send him a big check, right? I mean, you know, uh, if I got up and just said the, the craziest things, you know, how many people, this church would be full, right? Uh, if I say, hey, you just live how you want to. God doesn't care. Really, I'm coming to church there. You know, I'll go to the church over there. They tell me if I sin, I've got to repent. Well, I don't like that. That's a lot of trouble. Uh, I come over here. I can just live how I want to. That's great. You know, here, take my money. Now, you don't think it's money, driven by money? Follow the money. Amen. Uh, I guarantee you it's driven by money and greed and, and avarice. And, uh, because if, if my goal is to preach what you want to hear, uh, man, I'd, it'd be, that'd be tough right there, right? That'd be tough. Because then I have to know all the time what I can and can't say, amen? Instead of just following the Spirit of God and saying what needs to be said. And uh, the Lord is merciful, you know. I think you could preach a lot of things for, and go on for a lot of times without, without just beating people up. You know, really, there's no, ever, there's no need ever to beat people up with the Word. And I try my best not to ever beat anybody up with the word. You know, I may say, here's what the word says, but, uh, but to beat people up with the word, to keep them in line, that's bad. But it's just as bad to, to say, live how you want to. God doesn't care. And, and grace is there. That's just as bad. Amen. Because uh, either keeping people in line or, or making people go crazy, it's just as bad, right? Uh, and, and I think that your average Christian wants to uh, serve the Lord uh, with faithfulness, amen, and, and not be involved in sin. And so, uh, so that, w- that was what brought death into the world. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3 brought death into the world, right? And the Lord told Adam, if you eat it, in dying thou shalt die. And that's exactly what happened, right? It wasn't delayed for 930 years. He died immediately, and then eventually he died physically, right? So, so it happened immediately like the Lord said it would happen. In dying thou shalt die. Uh, it happened um, immediately and then eventually uh, in the spirit realm and then eventually caught up with him in the physical realm. And that's the, always the order, right? All your problems in life start in the spirit realm. They will eventually make its way out into the natural realm. Uh, and, and so uh, dealing with spiritual realm is easy. Amen. Just do what you're supposed to do. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness and mercy. And, Father, we thank you that... Uh, that you are a merciful God and you provided the blood of Jesus, Father, for both the world and for the church to wash away all of our sins. And Father, the world just needs to receive it uh, at the beginning of their relationship with you and the church just needs to confess it as they walk with you each and every day, Father. And Lord, we thank you for that. We give you all praise and honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God, you know, uh, who wants to be involved with sin and death, right? Uh, the, the evil twins, amen? Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And, um, you know, we thank, we thank God for that. Uh, you know, it's funny because I think that doctrine of church doesn't have to repent is one of the craziest doctrines that are out there. And yet, you know, sometimes people think that I'm, I'm close to that in my preaching, that I give people the license to sin. Uh, and and I, I, I have never figured out why they think that, you know. Have I ever told you it's okay to sin? Have I ever said it's fine? You know, do it, you know, get a gold star and sin, right? Uh, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's crazy talk, right? And yet, uh, because I, I know God is a merciful God, He is a merciful God, right? Uh, you know, just teaching on that, they think that gives people license to sin. Uh, and, I, you know, I don't I, For me, I trust you all well enough to know what the word says and the spirit of God in you to know what the word says that uh, I trust you that you'll do whatever the Lord says to do. Amen. I don't have to beat you up, coerce you or, or put you in fear. Uh, here's what the word says. Let's do that. Do you want to? I think that's a pretty safe way to, to preach. Amen. We'll come ahead, Mr. Dear, to receive the offering. <clears throat> and um, uh, I don't know. Well, uh, and we love to have lists of sins, you know. You know, what I've always found it's odd is the list of sins that a, a minister will pick are always the sins that they happen to be not committing. You know, what about the sins that they're committing, right? Do you reckon they're committing any sins? You know, I don't know, but, you know, I bet they're committing one or two sins every now and then, right? Uh, get mad because the biscuits are burned or whatever. Um, and so, <clears throat> um, anyway, that's another whole discussion right there. So, 
All right, praise God. We'll, we'll, we'll continue that next week and we'll look and see what the, after Adam and Eve sinned and brought death into the world, then what was God's response to their lives after he dealt with their sin? But then he had to give them some hope after that, right? And so we'll look at that next week. So uh, be blessed. Have a wonderful week. And we'll see you next Sunday at, um, after our church meal, right? So we'll have our Thanksgiving church meal next Sunday. So, uh, Oh, yeah. Well, I usually, you know, separate healing schools because... Sometimes people that don't go to our church come here. So, all right, we'll see you. Well, we'll see you when you see you, right? All right, you're dismissed.